Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Anybody hear us out there? Let us know if you can. It's after three pilot episodes, and Opera Box Score has finally hit the big time. You're listening to our first show from our new home on WNUR 89.3 FM, Chicago's Sound Experiment. I'm your host, George Cedarquist. This week, I'm leading off with a story about a scheduling crisis. Last Saturday, Lyric Opera of Chicago, Chicago Opera Theater, and Chicago Fringe Opera all opened their seasons on the same night. And for those of us without a time machine, we had to pick one place to be. But how? My co-host Tobias takes us through a two-minute drill previewing the upcoming season at the major American opera houses. And our third wheel, Giovanna, is on double deck. Third she wheel? Gives 15 minutes of fame to a new opera about Andy Warhol. And, of course, we take calls from you and our other listeners on all these topics. Have your say live on the air by calling 847-866-WNUR. That's 847-866-9687. Don't miss our Twisted Opera Quiz and, of course, our infamous PKO segment where two opera singers face off in a steel cage death mask. There's even going to be some actual opera music, kind of. Keep it locked right here, right now, on 89.3 FM, an opera box score. All right, my friends, how are you guys doing out there? Tobias, what's up? Not much. Happy to be here. Am I still allowed to speak on air? <laughs> yes. All yeah, right. Fantastic. Alive. So far, so good. Giovanna, Jacques, what is happening? Hi, I'm also so happy to be here. This is such a such an honor for us to finally be live on the air. We're so excited to share our show with you tonight. It's been uh, it's been a wild ride. Here we are. I'm back at Northwestern where I went to graduate school. Tobias is back here where he went to graduate school. The old stomping grounds, George. That's exactly right. Giovanna is back here where she never went to school. But doesn't it feel nice? It feels wonderful. It's a beautiful campus. There's truly. A- Nice breeze coming off the lake. It was calm. It was calming to have that before I walked in to do a radio show about opera. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, here's the deal with Opera Box Score. The content is all opera. So we are talking about opera news, opera reviews, opera stats, opera singers, opera gossip. But we do it in a talk, uh, sports talk radio format. And uh, with a bit of high art and low art, with a bit of entertainment and education, we are trying to build a new audience for opera in America. We're trying to take some people down a peg or two and uh, just generally have fun. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, guys, let me kick it off with uh, Talk Talk Part 1, which is our, the meat and potatoes of our show. 
uh, is this um, opera scheduling clash, which has happened last Saturday, uh, which is September 26th. The three, three of the big opera companies in Chicago, well, the two big opera companies in <laughs> Chicago, I suppose, and the third one, they all opened their season on the same night. Uh, the Lyric Opera of Chicago opened its season on Saturday with a production of The Marriage of Figaro by Mozart. Chicago Opera Theater opened its season with a production of Lucio Silla, which is a lesser-known Mozart. And on that same night as well, a very small company called Chicago Fringe Opera. What, what? Also, thank you, opened its season with a piece uh, by Benjamin Britten called The Turn of the Screw. And my question is, I'm, I'm just amazed that uh, all these three companies all did this on the same night. I mean, how many nights are there in the year when it could happen? What, what's the explanation, Tobias? Well, I think, first, you have to take into consideration how awesome it is that there are, in fact, in Chicago, three functioning opera companies. More. It, well, more, but to have three open on the same evening, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this in my talk talk as well, uh, because it is officially opera season. Um, but, you know, I will say this. Because I am an opera lover, and September 26th had three productions with three fantastic companies, you know what I did? I was so overwhelmed by my choices that I stayed home. <laughs> so this is a problem. Um, is it a horrible problem? No, because I'm of the opinion that it's never a bad thing to have too much opera, especially going on, you know, give people the choices. And it's three distinctly different shows, even if two of them are Mozart, um, and three <laughs> very vastly different settings. So what do you think, Giovanna? I, well, I, I, I did not stay home. I was at the Chicago Fringe Opera show. But I don't, I'm not quite sure. I mean, part of me feels like Lyric kind of has the, the upper hand in, in like, okay, this is our night. And then I, I almost feel like everyone else should kind of schedule around that. But I'm not sure. I mean, at the same time, people went out to COT. People went out to Chicago Fringe Opera. Not everybody was at Lyric. So that also shows that. It was a hot ticket, though. It was, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic evening. I've it seen was. some of the pictures and stuff. So, do you then are you saying that they that the it's up to the other companies to avoid this? Do you think it was an oversight on those companies, like on, no. on their planning? No, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but that is what that that sounds like what I just said. Absolutely, and I realize <laughs> that. Um, I think it's more that like, you know, I'm did do you know who came out first with with their schedule? I'm assuming it has to be the lyric. Right. And I just, I almost feel like even if they shouldn't have rescheduled, they should kind of expect that lyric is going to attract the largest audience, which they can hold the largest audience. So there's, right. there's that. And there's 3,400 seats. Exactly. It's a world-class venue, world-class singers. Exactly. And, and The Marriage of Figaro is a it, lot more accessible to a lot more people than, you know, the lesser-known Mozart operas mm -hmm. and Turner the Screw. It's a lot easier to watch. It's a lot more of an entertaining evening as opposed to a mind-boggling right. evening. I, you know, and the funny thing is, and I, I think that the lyric uh, is a good enough house that they, they really don't take a lot of risks by putting right. on different shows that are maybe outside of the canon, and that's okay. Right. Um, 
That's what COT does. Exactly. And well, fringe. You're, you're, and you're going to do stuff that people want. Yeah. And, and the thing about them doing their opening night on the 26th with Marriage of Figaro pretty much guaranteed them huge box office mm-hmm. sales for their first weekend. And then once you generate that kind of buzz, it's, it, it, you know, it rolls. Right. So I think it was tough for the other two companies to uh, go on the 26th. And, but by all accounts, it went well for both. COT and Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. So and that also proves, you know, in a big city like Chicago, you have enough people to populate all three, Mm -hmm. all three shows. I mean, and and again, it's it's a preference thing. Maybe the more traditional. Not not complete opera nerds will decide to go to some of the underground Mm -hmm. shows as opposed to the big flashy one. Well, I know that I I haven't yet been to see uh, Chicago Fringe Opera's Turn of the Screw, but um in reading some of the reviews, you want to talk about something that could open some people's eyes. That yeah. is the exact opposite of doing of going to Marriage of Figaro. Um, you know, a 3D concept that takes you along the ride with the characters, and it's a haunting story. And um, you know, they the the cool thing is for being a young company, they get fantastic singers. Mm-hmm. And I think you know it, it's a testament to the arts community in Chicago that they get the singers and the talent that they do, and they have a fantastic director there as well. Um, so it's kind of, it's cool to see that and the growth uh, in the opera community, you know, with these small companies happening now. In the future, maybe you don't try to compete with the Lyric on the 26th of September, but. Yeah. Um, I'm just surprised that, like, there wasn't more exchange between the two big, big companies. I mean, Chicago Fringe Opera, whatever, is such a small player that they could do it on the same day or they could do it at another time and, and it wouldn't really affect them. But, like, did those two companies really not? each other about opening their shows on the same night i mean in sports like them uh baseball playoffs is constantly talking to the nfl so that you know they're not doing those games on the same evening Mm -hmm. occasionally it happens it's true Mm -hmm. but in general like they really try and avoid that sort of thing you know for for traffic and to make sure that those sports fans can watch uh can get to see it all so um you know there's obviously more performances of all these shows of uh, marriage of Lucho Silla. Um, but like opening night is kind of a special thing and to not be able to go to both of them, it, it seems like mm-hmm. you're getting robbed a little bit. True. And the energy in opening night is always pretty much unmatched. I mean, there's just something so thrilling about attending an opening night performance. Absolutely. And as a performer too. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was speaking strictly as an audience member, but yeah, as a performer, it's amazing. I mean, you finally have an audience in front of you. Well, it's, inter- I'm, you know, moving forward, do we think that they owe it to each other to, uh, um, I guess, you know, if you want to make the sports analogy, to pad each other's stats, to ensure the success of every company uh, competing? Because it is a competition, you know, we want companies to succeed. So do we, do those in charge of those opera companies owe it to one another to make sure that their schedules, especially on a night like opening night? Um, do- I wonder if they can afford that luxury, though. Because baseball right. and football are much more, you know, followed than opera. So I wonder if they're just kind of like, well. That's our date. we got to yep, stick to we're it. Gonna, <laughs> we're going to take it. <laughs> well, let's leave it there for the time being. We're going to take a short break. Keep it here right on 89.3 WNUR, Chicago's Sound Experiment. <laughs>
Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. All right, we are back with some more Chalk Talk. Tobias, take it away. Part two, you guys are listening to Opera Box Score here on 89.3 WNUR. What's up, Tobias? Guys, I have some really, really exciting news to share with you. Hey, do you want to hear it? No. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Never mind. I will retire to my corner. No, the exciting news is that it's opera season. (laughs) That's why we're on the radio. That's why there was uh, perhaps a scheduling snafu downtown, if you will. Um, But it is opera season, officially. So uh, that being said, Lyric Opera Chicago, San Francisco Opera, Houston Grand Opera, Seattle Opera, the Metropolitan Opera, these are all uh, some of the best companies in the United States, if not the world. And all of them in the last few weeks or in the coming two weeks will be opening their seasons. And I happen to think that's pretty great. It's pretty amazing. Um, and so one of the things that I was looking at um, in my excitement, you know, it's like a little kid on his birthday. I wouldn't say it's Christmas, <laughs> but maybe a birthday, you know, you're really one excited. One step down, yeah. Because for me, um, I'm going to go on a tangent here in a moment. For me, one of the cool things when I was a little kid was waking up and my parents always got you donuts. That was like your breakfast. For Christmas for, or for your birthday? For your birthday. Okay. And it was such a big deal. You know, you wake up and boom, donuts. And right. And it was awesome. Um, and every once in a while, you know, they would give us presents. And one time, one time to mess with me, my parents got me a shoebox and it was a Nike shoebox. And I got so excited that there was going to be a new pair of Nike shoes and it was full of rocks. <laughs> my parents told me when I was like eight years old. Um, anyway, so that's amazing. all of that is just to say I'm like a little kid on his birthday because we get opera now for what the next five, six months at some mm-hmm. of the best uh, companies in the world. And I'm really excited about that. And I don't think that any of these that I'm going to be opening, uh, these gifts that I'm going to be opening are um, a shoebox full of rocks. No, let's <laughs> hope not. So um, in Chicago, in our very own Chicago, because we are in Chicago with W-N-U-R, um, the lyric opens with Le Noce di Figaro, The Marriage of Figaro, which um, obviously, you know, we talked earlier, what a fantastic show to open with. It got great reviews for the opening weekend. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's sold out. It's exciting. Something that I noticed because I talked about earlier, it's kind of like a, it's an, a good show to ensure people are going to come. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people think it's one of the best operas. It's, you know, um, without flaw. Almost every company that I mentioned earlier um, is doing Figaro this year. Do we, as opera lovers, care that every company seems to do the same rep? That, that yeah, San Francisco is the only one that doesn't, huh? Mm-hmm. Good for you, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. I mean, you know, I, the Metropolitan Opera has such a huge repertoire. It's, it's hard not to have something of that, of that rep being unusual and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I guess I turned to, to Lyric Opera of Chicago just because it's in our hometown. And, you know, I get the brochure. My dad splashes out on a, on a ticket or two. And honestly... Looking at that at that beautiful um, brochure that they put out, the uh, production of Wojciech that they're doing in um, like November, I think mm-hmm. actually, mm-hmm. was the only thing that kind of tickled my fancy. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a brand new production. It's a great director. As a director myself, obviously, I'm always interested in the directors. Um, but 
that music too. I mean, nobody does Wojtek. Mm-hmm. Nobody does Wojtek. And uh, everything else on that roster, like just, just not interesting to me personally. That's just my opinion. Well, they probably have to have to, you know, think about the different crowds. So with Marriage of Figaro, they're going to get the traditional, maybe like, oh, I'm taking my date to the opera tonight, mm-hmm. you know, something light. And so for some of the other ones, for some of the more intense ones that are maybe a little bit more of a mind boggling experience, they're really hoping to attract the singers and the musicians in town mm-hmm. and the really culturally <clears throat> adept people, I would say. Well, and I think that by doing the Wojtek and the Bel Canto, uh, those are that's stepping out of a comfort zone. Um, and I think it's cool to hear George talk about how excited he is for that. And then I also, you know, the flip side is I, I guess I'm a little disappointed that you don't love Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> you mean Guno's Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Well, yes, <laughs> the one that's on the season for the Lyric Opera of Chicago. I don't know. There's just like, there's just nothing else out there that I, I really want to see. And hey, you know what? Clearly they have subscribers. Clearly there are people who want to see those shows. I just don't personally know why you would do another production of The Marriage of Figure. I just don't get that. Because they just did it, what, two years ago? Three years ago? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting that you mentioned uh, productions being repeated. <laughs> Perhaps I'm naive in this, but it's interesting to me how many shows the Metropolitan Opera is repeating. Re- repeats. I noticed that as well. Yeah, I... But it, like they just did this new Rigoletto, uh, the Vegas production, mm-hmm. which I thought was fantastic. But they're doing it pretty much with the same cast, less than what two years ago was mm-hmm. when they just did that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's interesting, but I guess when you are the Met, when you are the Titans of the, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, the one in this whole list that gets me the most excited is Houston Grand Opera's season. Hmm. I feel like it has the best. Um, the best variation. I'm really excited about The Little Prince. I think that'll be mm-hmm. Rachel Portman, who scored, I believe it's the same Rachel Portman, who scored the movie Chocorat, oh, yeah, has yeah. some really cool music, and I'd be really interested to listen to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Prince of Players there by Carlisle Floyd, but I know that you know, Carl. Go ahead, George. No, I was going to say, I, d- I don't know that either. Um, coming up to a break here, let's cut really quickly to uh, San Francisco Opera. For me, that company is really dominating the scene right now in this country in terms of producing old operas in new ways and, of course, producing new work as well. What I mean, what is, like, the one show that you guys are going to fly out there and see with all your thousands of dollars? <laughs> oh, I tell you what it's not going to be. No matter what you do with the show, Magic Flute is never... The plot is so broken that Mozart didn't even know what he was writing about. And the music's great, but I will never go see that show, regardless of what they do with the production. Sure. I would go see the Debussy. The Fall of the House of Usher? Yeah. Yeah. Who does that? Yeah, nobody, which is why that's really cool. I think, yeah, that'd probably be a fantastic production. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think, George? Um, I, I'm, I'm really torn, actually. Uh, I would absolutely see that. Uh, I would, would I fly all the way out there? I don't know, but um, for the food... If, if, I, if I told you no one was going to do that production again for the next five years, ten years. Ten years, yeah, I would probably do that. Five uh, years, somebody has to pay for your plane ticket? Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get our executive producer to pay for that. You're hard to please. <laughs> All right, we're going to step aside for a few minutes. Make sure you keep it right here. WNUR 89.3, Chicago Sound Experiment. 
and Opera Box Score. This is why you work so hard to pay the mortgage. Because home is more than four walls and a roof. It's that porch swing and a summer evening. It's everybody over for Sunday dinner and your family sleeping in their own beds at night. Making home affordable is a free government resource that can make paying the mortgage easier. Call 888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov. Good night, Mama. This is why. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Hey, America. We need to have a little talk. We've got more food than we know what to do with in this country, yet 17 million kids in America are struggling with hunger. Makes no sense. Luckily, the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks has volunteers gathering excess food and getting it to hungry kids. They're kind of like food angels. Hey, become a food angel yourself by supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. My husband drinks with friends after work. He has a couple of drinks at home with dinner and a few more while we watch TV. A counselor recommended I try Al-Anon Family Groups. I didn't want to go to Al-Anon, but I'm sure glad I did. Is someone's drinking breaking your heart? You might be surprised at what you can learn at an Al-Anon Family Group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-ALANON or go to alanon.org. Opera class, sports radio crass. This is Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Tobias Wright, and Giovanna Jacques. Pop quiz. Oh boy. And we are back on Opera Box Score right here on WNUR 89.3 Chicago's Sound Experiment. I will be honest with you and say, this is my least favorite part of the show because I'm just so dreadfully bad at it. Uh, it's what we call. That's pop- the one who always wins. Well, it's my least favorite part of the show because I'm dumb. <laughs> don't, don't stint yourself, Tobias. Um, so, first of all, if you want to be part of this pop quiz, make sure that you give us a call. The number is eight four seven. 866-WNUR. You want to be on the show, you want to get your voice out there, you want to be heard, give us a call. 847-866-WNUR. Here's how pop quiz works. Back in the day, I think it was it was like the, I don't know, Esso Oil Company broadcast from the Metropolitan Opera. It always had this little like opera quiz part of it. And we've kind of taken that idea and run with it. And uh, the lovely Giovanna Jacques writes five questions and Tobias and I uh, go head to head trying to see who can well I was going to say get more right but I guess I would say (laughs) not make ourselves look foolish by getting fewer wrong it's gonna happen (laughs) but it's it's bound to happen they've gotten progressively easier over the years (laughs) over over the years (laughs) (laughs) over the many years we've been doing the show um but uh we will see what this... Um, How many questions do we have today? Five, my friend. Are we scoring in half points? Well, we're going to yes. leave that up to Giovanna, <laughs> I think. But um, right, So, right, right. yeah. I'm going to say me if I think I know the answer. And you're going to say... Me. You're also going to say me. And Giovanna's <laughs> going to tell us who wants to go first. All right. Let's do it. 
Number one. Which overseas opera house was supposed to cost seven million but ended up costing a whopping a hundred and twenty million dollars to build? Can Me. You... Oh. Yeah, Toby. Paris. No. I was gonna can you give us a hint of like a decade or a century that this happened in? <clears throat> no, but I can give you a geographical location ish. Is it in the southern hemisphere? Yes. Me. Oh. Yes. The Sydney Opera House. Yes. Oh. Good job, Toby. One for Toby. Okay. I was going to say Buenos Aires, so I was clearly like way <laughs> off the mark. Um, question hold on, number... hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the lead. Yeah, well, okay. it's been one question, buddy. Calm down. Well, I just needed to... In this... It's important that <laughs> okay. we all know that I'm in the lead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> question two. What is the Italian definition of the word... Opera. Me. Yes, George. Work. Good like job. Work. That was an easy one. That was that was super easy. That was way easier than the Sydney one. I might have to give that point just into the ether and just relinquish it. It's so simple. <clears throat> I already wrote it down. Okay. <laughs> Which composer wrote Alexander Nevsky? Me. Yes, George. Shostakovich. No. Hmm. You sure about that? Yep. No. She has Wikipedia on her side. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. I apologize. Starts with a P. Prokofiev. Come on, guys. Oh. Neither of, of you course, got that one. That one slipped my mind on this Monday. <laughs> okay. My poor master's degree. This next one's pretty hard, but let's see how you guys do. Domenico Mancini was an official castrato, as in was actually castrated, and he retired in what year? He was the last known official castrato. And and how close do we have to be here in terms of years? I would say you should get within within a decade. And it's go- I can give you a hint as to which You don't century. have to give a hint because actually I know the answer. What is it, Toby? It is 1959. Wow. Thank you. That's amazing. He, Good job, Toby. He, he's wrong, right? No, he's right. Oh my goodness, how did you know that? Uh, like I said, I have a master's degree. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, it was interesting. I took um, a music history course um, at Northwestern University, who is gracious enough to host us here at WNUR. Um, and it was in that course that I had a wonderful professor who just really inspired me to do, um, go a little bit above and beyond. And I stumbled upon that bit of information uh, one time when I was writing a paper, <laughs> George actually the real answer is Giovanna told me before I walked in the studio. <laughs> oh my goodness! Now, now I don't know who to believe. I think we tied. Okay, um, no, you haven't. What oh, is the range so wait, called? So it's my two, last. It's, it's two to one, right? No, I cheated. Yeah, yeah, you did. So it's, so one, it's one, one to one. one. Oh, you really did cheat on that? Yeah, he did yeah. cheat on that. Get out. <laughs> so last sorry. question. Okay. What is the range called for the lowest female voice? Um, me. Yes. Um, uh oh. Uh, Spinto? No. Mm. Take it away, Big T. I don't know. Contralto? Yes. It is Contralto. I was thinking too hard. No one's a, no one's a Spinto singer anymore. Yay! Toby wins. Again. Everybody, this is a monumentous occasion. <laughs> 
Toby has won something. <laughs> this is fantastic. I'm, I can't wait to call my mother after the show. You might get donuts when you wake up in the morning I'm for winning this. Rocks. <laughs> Your birthday came. Those early. were good. Those yeah, were I'm good sure questions. Those, those were good questions. They were actually. very potentially. You know what I I think constitutes a, a great question for the pop quiz is that it could be potentially really embarrassing for both George and I. Yeah. And I think. I take great pleasure in making these pop quizzes. <laughs> yeah, well, ap- apart from the one where you cheated, man. I'm so sorry. And then I tried to make up some story. <laughs> it, was, it was pathetic. <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. <laughs> I do apologize. No, but I did have some fantastic teachers at Northwestern who I'm 100% sure would have known that answer. There you go. It's very possible. Yeah. You want to play against uh, one of us next time on the show, make sure you give us a call. 847-866-WNUR. That's 847-866-9678. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back. Keep it right here. Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3. Instant replay, 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 replay on Opera Box Score. And we are back here on Opera Box Score, right on WNUR 89.3, Chicago's Sound Experiment. We uh, did some pilots on our show over the last few months, and if you can believe it, people were like, there's no opera music on the show. We really want to hear people sing opera, which I, I was floored by. Maybe you weren't surprised, Giovanna. I, no, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, it's an, it's an opera show. Don't we want to hear some? You got to give the people what they want. Well, yeah. you obviously do. And by the way, if you want to let us know what you think of the show, make sure you reach out in one of two ways. You can send us an email, opera box score. That's all one word, no dashes, no dots at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. It's at Opera Box Score. We are tweeting like fiends live during the show. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want to talk about. So in getting all this feedback, we decided to make up a segment called Instant Replay, where I go out and I find a classic opera aria that maybe people have heard, they've probably heard at some point, in this case, uh, it's an opera um, called I Pagliacci by uh, Leon Cavallo. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And um, the famous aria is called Vesti la Giubba, which is it's about this clown like putting on his costume and having to go out and make the world laugh, even though inside he is completely miserable. Mm-hmm. I think it was in um, The Godfather, wasn't it? It definitely, yeah. Actually, now that you say that, it definitely was in The Godfather. Yeah. Things was- that I parked in my mind never to be remembered again unlike that 1959 thing <laughs> which you clearly learned 10 minutes ago at least i retained it um that's true you, you, you should get like a quarter of a point for using your brain and re- retaining information um so i went out and found a recording um of that aria vestila juba and then did a little research to see if there was like a modern updated take that is what the format of instant replay is and lo and behold there is uh I don't know if they're a performing 
company in terms of theater and opera, but they're really more of like a band called the East Village Opera Company. Have you guys ever uh, heard of them? I have never heard of them. Toby? Are these... No. Say more about them. Yeah, East Village Opera Company. I think they actually might be defunct right now, and if they're not, um, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, It was essentially like a sort of a fringy off-off-Broadway... Not really a show. Again, it's like a band. Like They played concerts and clubs and gigs where they were essentially doing hard rock covers of classic opera songs. Did they do a Nessun Dorma? They did do a Nessun Dorma. I think I might know who we're talking about. Okay, and then maybe you've, maybe you've heard the Nessun Dorma. Um, so in that case, they did a cover of Vesti Lujuba, and um, we're going to play that for you guys now out there. Do, who, do we get to hear the first? Yeah, the you're going to hear the first one, just the original Vesti Lujuba, and then you're going to hear the East Village Opera Company's take on that. Can I guess the tenor when he starts singing? You can. You're going to have to wait until after the break. Fine. Here we go. I will.
dal delirio non so più quel che dico e quel che faccio eppure dopo sforzati ma sei tu forse un Okay, Sarah, I'm dropping you at Emily's, and Josh, you're going to soccer, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and by the way, when I pick you up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! 
Yep, me and my short shorts doing my daddy dance. Your friends will love it. No! Well, I might change my mind if you buckle your seatbelts. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Whatever it takes, keep them safe. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Hi, I'm Dustin Lynch. You don't have to listen to country music to know that life can be full of drama. Some of it you just can't control, like your girlfriend running out on you with your best friend. But there's some drama that you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. You just need to take that first step and find free classes near you and start moving towards a brighter future and even your college degree. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Why is my son having trouble in school? Finding lowest airfare to Istanbul. No, I'm tired of fighting with my son over his homework. Home, walk, restaurant, need a review? No, he's smart, but his mind wanders. Seven wonders of the world. Why don't you understand me? I do. I was trying to show how Connor feels every day. Redirecting to understood.org. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council. From Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score with George, Tobias, and Giovanna. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. We are back on Opera Box Score. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We are on every other Monday evening, so that would be once a fortnight here on 89.3 WNUR. Uh, just finished up some PS days there. Just finished up our segment, Instant Replay. Uh, Tobias, you were hating it, and then you were loving it. Tell, <laughs> At talk some point, it. okay, well, one, that is one of my favorite arias of all time. And for the listeners, if you enjoyed that, I really encourage you to listen to Mario Lanza sing it. And there's a lot of people, opera snobs, who are like, Mario Lanza. Yes, he was a movie star in the 50s, but he just had a gorgeous voice. And all humanity that he may have failed at aside, what an amazing instrument. And we were blessed to have him. Anyway, it's one of my favorite arias. And then you started to play that monstrosity there at the afterward. <laughs> and I was upset with you, George, because I was like, I was never getting those three minutes back. And then the disco beat happened. Correct. And now I want that song to follow me everywhere I go. Giovanna, were you dancing in your seat? I felt like, you know when you go on YouTube and you're watching a video and you ask yourself, wait, are they kidding? Or are they, like, do they, yeah. is this serious? <laughs> do they think they're doing this for real? That's pretty much how I felt mm -hmm. for the whole, like, 10, 12 minutes of that long, long song. But could you imagine, like, having that beat playing as, like, your life's back, like, background music? Uh, no. But it, clearly that is the case for you. Yeah. Oh Just listening to you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that was, again, the East Village Opera Company's cover of uh, Vestila Juba uh, from Ipayachi uh, by Leon Cavallo. I I'm going to search out some more of their music. I was, I was impressed by I'd that. I'd be interested to hear if their diction gets any better in their pieces. That I want there to be live help. performance videos on YouTube is what I want to speak Dude, you don't even know the half of it, what, what's <laughs> probably out there. Giovanna, we're eating up some of your time here on That's Chalk right. Talk Part okay. 3, the meat and potatoes of the show. Take us through it. 
So actually, this is a perfect segue because I today I'm talking about Opera Philadelphia and the Bearded Ladies collaboration called Andy, a Popra. So the whole point of this opera is to mix pop music, really like Andy Warhol is a symbol of the pop era, right? And mm-hmm. in art, not necessarily in music, obviously. Um, and I think it's interesting what, what Opera Philadelphia is trying to do. I read an article about it in Opera News, which just made me chuckle so hard because you can just sense the disdain at this opera. And I quote my favorite line of this article. The site-specific work, aptly and atmospherically lodged in a rented actual box warehouse on North American Street and far from the city's tamer cultural hub, scarcely seems likely to have a future, let alone form part of a new operatic repertory. Isn't that mean? That's scathing. <laughs> right? Well, well, I mean, it, it's opera news, right? So basically, like, the, the Pravda of the Metropolitan Opera House. I mean, I, I don't read opera news, just me personally, because it's like a political, you know, magazine, which just is all about the Met. So I'm even surprised, actually. I mean, I know they have, like, international reviews. They have a small, small section on that and a section on... American reviews, but nonetheless, that is pretty harsh. Right? Um, Just for the record, though, I want to interject to the listeners from Opera News. Thank you for listening for the first 44 (laughs) minutes of the show. (laughs) Please tune in again in two weeks. (laughs) I mean, the the concept is really cool. So the Bearded Ladies, um, I was telling Toby when we got to the studio here, it's it's a cabaret troupe that really focuses on having a fun time, entertainment and flashy costumes and really cool Ideas and I, I do applaud Opera Philadelphia for collaborating with a grass not maybe not grassroots but more of a fringe yeah. type organization and, and putting this together and it's not so much about Andy Warhol's life as much as it is just like a representation of the time. In fact, uh, David Shengold, the Opera News uh, reviewer who wrote this article, ended with this quote. For Opera Philadelphia, the takeaway from this most enjoyable, if inevitably eph- ephemeral, collaboration would seem a matter of branding rather than substance, a perfect Warholian effect, which is, I mean, it's it, goal achieved if that's what they wanted to do. I actually kind of like that. Yeah. So it no, wasn't so all it, bad. It ended pretty well. Yeah. It ended better. Um, but I, I mean, I would have loved to see that truly. I think it would have been really cool to do yeah, that. No, that it, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. And you mentioned, uh, that maybe that was the perfect Warhol effect that they were going for. And that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, it, it was said that it was more musical theater than opera, mm-hmm. per se. Were they legit singers? Yeah, I mean, music, they were legit Broadway, like, okay. musical Like you said, cabaret. Trained. Yeah, um. yeah. And I just didn't get the site-specific part. Like, okay, so I know they're in a warehouse, and I get Warhol's whole history with, like, warehouse and the art house culture and studio 54 and all that but like is there anything else i'm missing what do you mean well like you said that it was done in this like site-specific warehouse and like this gritty part of town yeah and that is simply just to like make the point that like that's where warhol made exactly. his art yeah that's mm-hmm. pretty much does it. it say anything about like the uh, acoustics in the space or like no, it how they use the space that. at all it, it wasn't the round Mm-hmm. From what I understood, it was not said, but it was it, it's that's exactly what I understood from David Shengold's review. Got it. Yeah. yeah. And it's still running or is it? No, it's done. It's done running. It was running at the beginning of September mm-hmm. and it just ended. Yeah. 
But it's pretty I cool. Still, I, I saw a Warhol exhibit one time when I was maybe a freshman in college, and I remember thinking, I'm, I thought I was missing it. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like, well, uh, maybe I'm just not cool enough, smart enough to get yeah. why it was so cool. And perhaps, like you said. You know, Wait, you mean the art of Andy Warhol? Dude, you don't have to be cool to get it. Uh, it's like, it's pretty straightforward, isn't yeah, it? It's well, just what does that say awesome. about me, George? Well, <laughs> let's, let's Moving not on. Anyhow. <laughs> well, we are, we are going to move on. We're going to move on to our next segment. You're going to not want to touch the dial. You're not going to want to leave because this is kind of the, the hallmark of the show. It's called TKO. It's coming up next. TKO on the OBS. And we are back on Opera Box Score, WNUR 89.3 FM, Chicago's Sound Experiment. This is the segment that made the show famous. It's called TKO, where we take two opera singers and we imagine them fighting in a steel cage death match and uh it's nothing about their musical abilities it's all about their tenacity their muscles their fight their grit today uh in the i guess it would be the south region if we were doing a bracket Mm -hmm. on this for the ncaa's uh in one corner it is the tenor juan diego flores and in the other corner Rene Papa, who is a bass. Toby, who are you backing on this one? Well, as a tenor, I have to pick the tenor. I will defend myself shortly. And, and what's up, Juan Diego? What, I mean, why is, why is he going to win this fight? Well, I see what I love about Juan Diego. <clears throat> From a physical standpoint, he's very underwhelming. Um, and we've discussed this before on the show, and Giovanna's most assuredly going to come up with some ridiculous reasons why <laughs> Rene should win. And that's fine. But if you've ever heard Juan Diego Flores sing... Uh-uh-uh, we're not talking about singing. Just give me a moment. No. He has a superpower in that he shoots... It's like an Uzi, his voice. You know, <laughs> like he's shooting bullets so quickly with his voice. It is ridiculous. I feel like that's a huge lie. Well, then you've obviously never heard him sing. I have. Cat like quickness and right. brains. You made your case. You made your case, Giovanna. Over to you, Renee Papa. What's it? So, what's the fight? What's the argument? Sheer brute strength uh, would be my first thing, and then also, fun fact, George. I really hope that you're right when you told me that Renee smokes a cigar before every performance, and I have this beautiful image of this very pretty overwhelmingly physical person smoking a cigar in a steel cage with Juan Diego Flores (laughs) and having Juan Diego like running around and like being all like quick and cat like and Renee just standing there like hmm my mind you know (laughs) sounds like Looney Tunes (laughs) but he's so Juan Diego is so unassuming and I think that because of that calming presence and Renee being out of breath from his cigar smoking. And I think he would have like burned Juan Diego in the face with a cigar butt. <laughs> so you gotta be quick enough to catch him. Well, like, just... do you get props in the ring though? Like, is this WWF style when you can like you... have a chair, yeah, or is we... this like a true 
steel cage death match where you it's, it's just, just you, you in the cage. I don't. I, I, yeah. You in the cage. Have you ever heard Juan Diego talk? No. I, I have. I've been in the room with him, man. Really? Yeah. And that, folks, is why you should continue listening to Opera Box School. I've, I've been in the room with, with my boy. But he, it's, his voice is so high. It's amazing. He's like, where is the tanner you, you have to buy notes? It, it is incredible. I mean, his voice is extremely high and absolutely beautiful. He, it turns out, is uh, a national hero in his native Peru. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, was, um, he was on a postage stamp. What? I could see that. Yeah, his head was on a postage stamp. I mean, Peru. I could see that. He's great. I'm not going to lie. But Renee was just going to like pick him up by, like, give him a wedgie, pick him up by the mm-hmm. seat of his pants, and just throw him out of the arena and be like, thank you very much. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, and I am going to lift the hand for uh, Renee and Papa on this one. I mean, just you, listen, go onto Google, find some photos of this guy. Like, he is jacked. He is ripped. There is absolutely no way that Juan Diego would ever be able to beat him just hands, hands down. So I, I actually, I think this would be like, a, this would be not even a, a TKO, a technical knockout. Like it would be just a complete destruction. Yeah. So would, I'm going to be talking to our executive producer following this because I think it was known that I would pick Juan Diego Flores. I think this was stacked <laughs> against me. I think George just likes me better than he likes you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be right back here on Opera Box Score. Keep it on WNUR 89.3. Good call bad call on opera box score smooth beats uh, there <laughs> i just this is the whitest man in the room i know yeah that was that was a disgrace um so good call bad call it's time to wrap up this show Giovanna jacques do you have a good call or a bad call this week is something good happening in the opera sports general world out there or is something terrible awful happening i have an amazing call and this is a bit of this is a bit late news but i was just reading an article so we all know who uh florence foster jenkins is right no the can you can you explain it to me on behalf of our (laughs) listeners thanks sure the new york harris she became an opera singer and her voice in her head was the most amazing thing but it was hilariously awful like Mm. i'm pretty sure the pitch center didn't exist and i'm pretty sure the keys were just out the window. Like, there was never a key that she sang in. Um, she was married to St. Clair Bayfield, a very wealthy um, English actor who supported her and just adored her and wanted her to just always succeed. And so he pretended like everyone liked her singing. And she one day, this is a true story, she one day decided to put on a concert at Carnegie Hall, and he supported it and paid for it and basically paid to... to populate the entire audience of Carnegie Hall to come see this concert so that she felt like she was an opera star. Finally. I have heard of this. And the, the amazing Meryl Streep is going to be playing Florence Foster Jenkins, which is genius. And Hugh Grant is going to be playing St. Clair Bayfield. 
And the woman who made the movie, um, sorry, the man who made the movie, Stephen Frears, is also the one who made Philomena and Lay the Favorite, as well as Tamara Drew. I don't know if you guys saw Philomena, but it was a great movie. I do know Stephen Frears. He's a fantastic director. Truly. So I think that's a great call. What do you guys think? Well, it's Meryl Streep, so we know that... Can you say anything bad about Meryl No, like, that's what I was going to say. Even if, yeah, it just gives it that much more, like... Credibility, yeah, that she'll be there, and I mean, it sounds like something because it is relevant in some way, shape, or form to what we do uh, outside of our show here. Um, yeah, I'll go see it. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Well, Plus, I, got... I love movie theater popcorn. You want to take me on a date? Don't <laughs> 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 be pretty oh, noncommittal about that. <laughs> well, I got a, I got a bad call this week. Uh, I, I cannot believe that the Chicago Cubs have made it to the playoffs. I mean, they are they are in, right, Tobias? They are. Which is they're a- actually playing the Kansas City Royals right now. Oh, this very minute. This very minute. Well, then why are you following the Chiefs Packers game? Oh why my are we not- gosh! And the Chiefs are getting destroyed on Monday Night Football. Well, when you're fa- so twenty four seven, just before the half, Green Bay over no. Kansas City. Mm. Uh, pulling up the uh, that's disappointing MLB stuff here. Um, there it is. There okay. it is. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, zero zero in the middle of the eighth. Let's go, Royals. Anyway, go I on see. with your Cubs. What's your tangent? Well, here? it's. I mean, if this is a one-game playoff, right? No, this is just. This is. This is still, This is a rescheduled game from earlier okay. in the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, so they're in the playoffs. I mean, for me, it's like, it's just more parking hassle. End of story. Over to you, Tobias. That's your bad call. It's dreadful. The Cubs are in the. They're gonna win. They could potentially. They have the best pitcher that they've had in the last like forty years. Anyway, my good call. Is uh, it happened uh, this past weekend actually in Chicago, and it was a world premiere of a Spanish opera. Uh, the opera was called Andina. It was composed by Eustacio Rosales, who was one of the first um, Latin American composers here in Chicago, um, and he really struggled to find his footing. Eventually, as a composer, got uh, some of his stuff premiered by the CSO. Um, and then he had a tragic heart attack and died. And this was in 1933. Um, so his great grandson, Arlen Parsa, finds this manuscript for this opera in his basement um, and decides, oh my gosh, I'm a filmmaker. This is an opera. And what am I going to do? Google how to put on an opera. Um, and <laughs> lo and behold, two years later, the opera made its premiere last week at the Athenaeum Theater and it got fantastic reviews. There is the shot clock buzzer. It means we're out of time on this episode of Opera Box Score. Our executive producer is Eric Rita. Our announcer is Norm Waddell. And our writer is Jacob Cox. Special thanks to our creative consultant, Rob Steele. And our theme song is by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. Hey, you, let us know what you think of the show. Email us, operaboxscore at gmail.com, or tweet about us at operaboxscore. We're back on Monday, October 10th at 8 p.m., 9 Eastern. Tobias is going to be out of town, right, Tobias? Yeah, I'm going to be out of town, and we're gonna but I'll sp- be back. Good. I'm glad you're going to be back, but and I'm I'll glad we're going to have a, <laughs> a special guest to replace him. We're going to be glad to be rid of him. I hope that he is actually special. Coming up me. next is the Funny Tunny Comedy Hour. Don't go anywhere for Giovanna Jacques and Tobias Wright. This is George Cedarquist saying so long from Chicago. You're listening to WNUR 89.3 FM, Chicago's Sound Experiment. Bye-bye.
Swears he never leave, he never lied to her again. 